Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Jungle Brothers podcast. It's your host, Joey here. And today, Paulie and I are having a chat about training in a group versus training solo. I also want to give you a little update while I have you on some cool stuff that's happening with the podcast over the next six to 12 months. We've been going through a bit of a transition. Tiora moving up to Ballina, Paul taking um, the leadership here at Jungle Botany and myself focusing more on the Jungle Alliance. So having less of a role in the gym. What it's resulted in is, is us kind of not having aligned schedules where we can always be together on a Friday to do the podcast thing. So you would have noticed that over the last six to eight months, I've been taking more of a leadership role with the show. And then there's Paulie who's here most of the time. And then every now and again, we get T. He's obviously just opened a gym. So he's kind of in the trenches with that at the moment. The dream is that once his schedule kind of levels out a bit and once Paul is not as involved with the day-to-day here at the gym that we can reunite and bring the podcast back to being something that the three of us are riffing on every other week. However, at the moment, it's me. And I, I guess I just wanted to make that as an official kind of statement in case you're wondering, what the fuck's going on with the guys? Like, why am I not hearing from Tia's often? Why does Joey say my show or I'm the host? I do introduce today's show as me being the host, kind of just to poke a bit of fun at Paul. But as I see it, it's our thing. It is the Jungle Brothers podcast, but I'm the guy that runs it. So... Take from that what you will. I've been in the process of connecting with some really cool guests, both here in Australia, but also overseas. And I'm excited to be bringing those people to you through the podcast over the next little while. So really cool to have your support. Thank you for being a listener, whether you've just come on recently or you've been with us for a while. We appreciate you. Having your support on the show means the world to us. And what would be extra cool is if you could continue to help to support us by sharing the show with those around you. If you catch an episode that really speaks to you, send it to someone who you think it might speak to as well. That is really the greatest support that that we can ask for. Um, Post about it on your social media. Help us to get the show out there because we do believe that we are having some pretty awesome and important conversations. And my goal over the next 12 months and onwards is to include even more of these important conversations from experts in the realm of strength and flexibility to women's performance um, through to amazing stories from people who have traveled the world and done incredible things and perhaps haven't had a platform to tell it. That's what I want to bring to the show. So thank you for supporting. Please help to continue supporting us. Share the show with a friend. It means everything to us. And uh, yeah, let's keep doing the thing. Enjoy today's chat about training in a group versus training solo. Paul Fertifilli, welcome to my show. What's happening, short hair Joe? How you doing, man? <laughs> good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. He um, shaved his head, people. He shaved his head. He's gone back. We've taken it back. I ran into uh, <laughs> I ran into Az's mate before, who I've we met him, uh, Andrew. At, at his 30th. We yeah, met yeah, him yeah. at Az's 30th, yeah. one of our coaches, uh, his old mate. And uh, he said, oh, you, you used to have long hair. Oh, I didn't recognize you. And I'm like... Those who have known me for a while know that this is my regular look. The long hair was merely a, a short <laughs> interval, a punctuation, if you will. That's right. That was like with me with dreads. Because I had dreads for just shy of eight years. I made so many new friends in that time. And they never knew me pre-dreads. So once it was cut, it was like, oh my God. This huge life change. Yes, that's right. You're like, man, we're just going back. It's a blip. How do you feel about the dreads now looking back? It was, it's a fucking big... It's a, it's a uh, big hairdo to rock. Yeah. Um, I don't think about that much, but yeah. I'd, I mean, would I do it again? It's a bit of commitment. 
I, I'd like to do it actually on the top. Now that I've got the sides short, I would like to grow the top and dread just the top and have the short sides, which is like a really good, perfect in between because you don't have the inconvenience. On the side of the head, coming around the face, it's just a lot more. But on the top, sick. When, uh, is that like Kevin Lee? Kevin Lee's got to got it on the top, doesn't he? I think he does. Yeah. He ties his up heaps. It's, it's I mean, I don't, I'm not a really across American culture that much but i see heaps of them heaps look really cool they do the frosted tops peroxide on the top or heaps of dreadies on the top it makes sense like if you are if you're athletic and you're and you're engaging in like training and combat and stuff it's very impractical to have a full head of dreads yeah for sure as it is to have a fucking mullet speaking from experience (laughs) Any, any length on top like going back to a shaved head now i'm like mate this is this is low maintenance like I jump in the shower, it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sweat's got like it just, you no know, shampoo, none of that shit's done. So quick. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel for women. I feel for women in jiu-jitsu, even here in the gym on a hot, muggy day. Yeah. They've got to manage, you know, and obviously some of them have short hair, you know. But for the ones that have like big, thick hair and stuff, it just looks tough. You do get used to it. They probably wouldn't notice all that much. Like when I had big dreads, people were like, what the fuck? It's a boiling hot day. And I'm like, no, nah, you know, it is, you know, I've got to wash it you know, twice a week and put it in a fucking wrap and all this sort of thing. But you get used to it over time. Man, I remember it's cl- not coming, mate. classic photographs of you uh, lying the witch in the wardrobe, a film that Paul and I worked on in New Zealand back that was in our film industry days. Mm-hmm. It was thick back then. That was the worst stage of it, whereas in between. So it was just growing outward. Yeah, it was kind of like Sideshow Bob-esque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was like a few inches of it, just frizzy afro at a stage. Because I was in New Zealand, I didn't know anyone to, to, to work the hair. Although I did go to someone when I, while I was there up on K Road. <laughs> but they didn't do a great job of it. Shout but out to K Road Shout boys. out to K Road. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I went back to, yeah, when I came back, they, they cleaned it up and I got through that period. But yeah, I look back at those. I'm like, fuck, that was such a mess, that hair at that time. That's how I look back at my mullet from last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But uh, yeah, we'll see what 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 what's next for the hair. Um, we're talking today about training in a group versus training solo. Mm. Uh, this is something that we throw around a lot because we have both facets of it. Like here at Jungle Brothers, and generally within the the alliance, we believe that. Both approaches are important, though our gyms, like here, Jungle Botany, T's Gym, Jungle Ballina, and then really any kind of small gym that we think is is doing it the right way, has an element of group training. Uh, I think we, we'd both agree that that group training is like the backbone of successful, like it's this this melting pot of community and fun training, and also a source of inspiration and motivation for folks. And also getting some really hard work done. But the beauty of the group thing is that it it allows you to kind of have all that extra stuff like the enjoyment and the inspiration versus coming into a space, training by yourself or walking down to the park. You've got to get through a workout. It's just you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with that group or even if it's just a single other person that you're training with, there is the obvious accountability factor and the enjoyment but also, um, well, there's also the technical aspect. Um, so having someone else's eyes on you, uh, giving you feedback, they can see what you're doing and, you know, give you some live feedback on that. But then there's also this some training that you simply cannot do alone. 
Um, so fight training, play, and basically having to react to something that's changing in front of you. And, and that for me is just kind of the clincher when it comes to, you know, training alone or having someone to train with you. There's some traits of movement that you just, you won't train if you train alone all the time. Yeah, it's a really good point. You can even, I'm sure you can identify with this when you've had uh, clients in the past, like personal training clients, mm. who are like, oh man, just give me a program and let me let me go off and do it and then I'll come back and see you in a month or whatever. Mm. And you're like, yeah, that sounds great, you know, cool. Because whatever, they don't live near the gym or something, it's not convenient for them to train here with us. And then you see them a month later and you're like, show me what you've been doing. And then they show you and you're like, it's dog shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know... But then you realize I can't fully blame them. They've, they, you know, I gave them as much information as I could during those few hours, mm. but I unleashed them into the wild without any eyes on them. And mm. now this is the, the, you know, the one month product mm. of that process. In the group, even, of course, you have a coach that's there looking at you, but you have other people doing things. You can compare, oh, what's my positioning like versus that person? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, that, that girl looks like a really good deadlifter. Oh, mine doesn't look like that. Like you talk to them, they talk, like you have this information coming in visual and, and auditory. Mm -hmm. um, it keeps a standard, doesn't it? Versus being alone, it, you, you just, you, you got no idea. Yeah, I think that, that example of sending a program to someone and them being alone works for a very small percentage of people, 1% of people or something like that. Um, you know, those people are exceptional. I'm probably not that person, I would even say. Um, but they're really, you know, involved in their training. They're really aware of what's going on. They're probably looking deeper into it beyond what you've told them. Um, so, yeah, I definitely, especially when you're an inexperienced trainer, uh, per, uh, person in their kind of movement training um, career, for lack of a better word, you know, group training is, is, you just get a lot more out of it. I want to ask you, do you still do, do you still send programs to people? Less um, and less. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought so. Yeah. I, it would be I, rare. Yeah, I think I, I, I liked the idea of it a while, you know, a while ago because you're like, oh, you know, I can kind of work with someone remotely and, mm. and it just if I look back, sort of the data showed that it was largely unsuccessful. Most people mm. didn't stick with it for a long time. They weren't getting the results from it. Mm. Yeah, the rare exceptional, like the few exceptional individuals did, mm. but on the whole, no. And it depends on what they're, what they're trying to achieve, I suppose, as well, what their goals are, but um, it's hard to beat face-to-face. -face. It is. Yeah, probably the only, the only compromise that I have with that now is I'm happy to get you started on something and then mm. I will like insist that we do however many sessions we need to for me to feel confident that you're doing it right. Mm -mm. And then I want to catch up like every month at least. Sure, sure. And you know, and I only do that with a few people, but it works quite well because whatever, they're generally the ones that are pretty self-motivated. Yep. And the fact that we started well and that I see them every four weeks doesn't let them get too far away, like veer off track too much. Yeah. Um, and doesn't say it doesn't don't work. I, I was just thinking about um, some of the people in the movement game um, and some of the coaches here that take programs from some of those high-level movement experts um, and they're 
they're, n- they're not doing one-on-ones at all, even at the start face-to-face, but they engage in a rigorous screening process where there's a lot of footage that needs to be submitted and approved before they even start training. And they're trying to bridge that gap. They're trying to solve that problem that we're talking about. And really it's a, yeah, it's a selection process throughout because it's so hardcore. Like for instance, uh, Dylan, who's grabbing a program, working with Harry, Harry someone? Harry Williams. Harry Williams. Don't know him very well, but I've seen his Insta and yeah, he's a he's high a level. Is he? No, he's a legend. <laughs> he actually spoke, I spoke with him yesterday. Oh, okay. Um, right. He's going to come on the show soon. Oh, mad. Okay. Um, you know, he had his screening process and, um, you know, Dylan's a very studious type of guy. You know, he's in there, he's filming it. He's doing the best he can with every rep as he always does. Action man. Yeah. And, you know, he just got knocked back like all of, <laughs> mostly all of his movements. Um, but the beautiful thing, and, and we've seen that before with other people who have got these online programs who are like, you know, these uh, gurus that have just not supported them, supported people so much when they've knocked them back. But he, it came, his knockbacks came with paragraphs and paragraphs of information. And it turns out in their relationship so far of however many weeks, it hasn't been all that many weeks, this guy's dedicated to the cause, man. They're having conversations every day, paragraphs of text, video oh, wow. sent. Yeah, he's like, he trains like five days, five hours a day and then coaches the rest of his day, you know, in his working time and he's coaching. He's got a high level of communication. So it can work, but it's not, you know, it's for a small group of people from a small group of good coaches who can work hard to bridge that gap. Yeah. Yeah, when you, yeah, you, you, could, you could probably make the assumption that the majority of online coaches are doing a shit job. Small percentage are doing a great job. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting what you say about the mm. like the screening process and stuff, which is super important. But I think that the when I look at those guys and I think like um, I look at the training I did online with Ido Portal, mm. um, talking about, say, what Dylan's doing with Harry. I did online programming with Emmett Lewis for a long time. If you, if you, don't, if you haven't heard of uh, Emmett Lewis, you can go back. He's done a couple of episodes on the show and he's going to be jumping on soon too for another episode. But... Um, one thing that, that that style of like those kind of guys who are there at that upper echelon, mm. they filter out like they don't really care that much who comes on board because the nature of how they coach is like it selects highly motivated individuals. Yeah, they'll just drop off to the sides if they're not the right fit. Yeah. Yep, yep. So it's like if you, you know, if you're prepared to <coughs> take their program, take their advice – do extra research, talk sure, with sure. people who are doing yep. similar things, mm-hmm. then yeah, you're going to be successful with it. But if yep. you're not, and and you know, this talks to maybe us now, mm. I'm not prepared to do that shit now. Too, mm. Like I'm not interested enough. I'm too busy. Mm. I don't want to invest mm. three plus hours a day in my training. Mm. So I don't engage in that. You know, I wouldn't be the ideal client now. However, maybe back in my late twenties, I was. Yeah, sure. And I guess it's really not that efficient. Uh, either to do it that way, like all the conversations, the filming of the videos. But at the end of the day, got to be grateful that we've got the tech that can do all this sort of stuff as well because people are usually going to them for information that they can't get near to them. So it is cool that it's around and it's enabled people to connect with people like, you know, on that level where we wouldn't, weren't able to do that 10 years ago. Tell me about, um, let's go back to some of our kind of, 
significant group training or like training experiences that the, the training experiences that kind of formed a, a bit of the foundation of where we are now um for you i thought and you may not i don't know if you think back to this very often or if you see the relevance but your time training kung fu like choi fat and i remember you were doing um you used to do the you're training chinatown and you guys would do the lion dance every year chinese new year mm-hmm. tell me about that is that that is obviously like a like a group thing and um yeah i don't think about that much although i did think about it Earlier today, funnily enough, because I saw on my Google calendar it's Chinese New Year next week. Ah, yeah, okay. So I was like, oh. "Could you still do the line dance? You think you'd have what it takes?" Dude, I didn't. I didn't really. I was the tail. I did the head once. The head's the hectic part, isn't it? Yeah, it's more involved for sure. I, the tail, and we we weren't like the the line dancers that you see in some of these shows in China, who are jumping from poles to poles at great heights over water and stuff. Right. Um, swords underneath and <laughs> yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. I was the tail. I could be the tail because probably better now. My mobility is better yeah. than when I was a kid. Um, so I'm just a tail. I follow along and I, yeah, they jump onto my hips and climb onto my shoulders, and that's really it. <laughs> no, I couldn't do the head. No way. I'd be like, what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. It's you've got to you've got to practice that and be confident with that. Um, and then the drumming. So then I, I'd do the drumming sometimes. The cymbals. Everyone does the cymbals. Did the drumming quite a few times and I like that. But no, nah, I I don't think about all that much. But yeah, I guess that was a, a, a part of group training for me being young. I guess it was ball sports as well and always being around groups and being physical with groups, I guess. Um, but yeah, Troy fight and then try, training with my brother. It was really martial arts and, and he would teach us Troy fight up at Gladesville. He had, a, he had classes there once or twice a week. Who, your, your brother? Eddie did. Like he would attend or he would take No, he, he took. Okay. It was up behind McDonald's kind of vibe, wasn't it? No, the one right there at the school, uh, right at the shops. Is that Gladesville Public? Oh, yeah. Might attend just there. Oh, really? Yeah, hide the hall. Okay. Um, and took classes there. Oh, wow. Um, and then, you know, it was, yeah, always training with people. And that's like what I was saying before with martial arts. You, you need people. You know, because it's self-defense in combat, so you need that stimulus, providing that from the other side, um, for sure. And then Charlie, yeah, Charlie, fight. it was a lot of fun, yeah. And for me, I guess um, being around people and ball sports, it's very social at that level. It's really social. I'm not trying to be Bruce Lee while I'm there. Um, well, we're trying to be. We are trying to be Bruce Lee in our heads, but yeah, we're having fun and it's very social at that level. For yeah. Sure. How about you at that time? Like back then, well, I guess, how old were you when you were doing that? 12 through teenagehood. Yeah, right. I was, I was experimenting. I was playing soccer, but I was experimenting with different martial arts, but none of them ever stuck for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, you know, at that age, you're in a different situation, I think, because it was your older brother. Yep. So you're going there and he's part of the, he's the leader or part of the leadership and mm-hmm. that kind of brings you in as part of the infrastructure here. Yep, yep. Uh, I remember like going to different um, different gyms like I uh, went and trained Wing Chun for a little while which was at the top of Amien Street, uh, top of Wharf Road. Okay. There's like a little hall there. Yeah. I went and trained Wing Chun for a little bit. I did judo oh, yeah. over yeah. near Gladesville RSL for a bit. Um, I did... Uh, kickboxing in Dremoyne when I was a little bit older as a teenager. But I remember I didn't stick with any of them. I didn't really like them. Mm. I was down with it. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Like doing the forms or whatever, learning the throws and stuff. But 
there was actually, and this wasn't going to be the intention of my, you know, speech today, but there was no, there wasn't actually a communal aspect to any of it. Mm. It was like, hey kid, yep, class is on, okay, off you go. Mm. There was no, I didn't know the other kids' names. Mm. We didn't, you know, we trained together, but I didn't, I didn't, there was no like social aspect to it. Mm-hmm. So to leave was really easy because I had no, I wasn't entrenched in it in any way. Even though I might have done Wing Chun for, I don't know, four months or six months. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas you sh- show up at soccer practice, you know everyone in your team, coach gives you a hard time, joking around, doing the drills. Yes. Like there's actually a bit of banter there, even at that young age. Yeah. There is a communal aspect to it. So I guess part of it is like, it seems that when you're, when you're young – Training is usually in a group style, like you're not going to go and train yourself. Um, there are exceptions. And is I, it Tiger Woods? Unless it's Tiger Woods or, yeah, there's, you know, I hear of um, yeah, people who, are, who do solo sports to a, a good level and get their kids into it, like, like running or rowing and stuff like that. They'll do it from a young age. But you're largely in group training for a lot of it. That doesn't mean to say that, that there's a, a community around it. Yeah, it's, it's just funny actually to, to look back on that and think, oh, interesting, like, whereas you had, you know, I think when I was a kid, there were other communal things like the church up the road did Hub Club every Friday night. Mm. And I, I never, I was never part of the church, but I remember going to it a few times, like, there's all these kids hanging out, they're watching movies, having water fights. I'm like, it's awesome. And great, great strategy by the church, right? Hey, yeah, let's yeah, create yeah. this awesome club for kids to come to. Of and course. And they'll fucking yeah. join the church. Um, but like... But I'm like, oh, wow, that was actually in, in contrast to my judo class. That was, that was the fun thing. I feel like these days um, people are more aware of that as in communities or business models. That they know nowadays that community is what keeps people around a bit more, I'd say. Or maybe they don't because well, some we of them don't work so well. But then you've got some of the martial arts that have really come out of the 80s, 90s and and have just watertight community, and that's like the focus. Do your boys have it at uh, Taekwondo? They do. They do. They do. You know, I'm, we're not getting invited to barbecues, although I ignore most Korean emails barbecues. that I get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be sweet. <laughs> that would be sweet. <laughs> Maybe I'd go. Um, like, I, don't, I ignore the emails, but there's definitely a community aspect in how they run it. Um, yeah, how they run the individual classes, the belt system. They really did a great job over COVID. I got to give that to them. I never really let them know because uh, I have. I don't think we've been back. We haven't been back actually. Um, but yeah, the online coaching there, make gamifying everything, dress ups, Star Wars, and every you know everyone's in outfits. And there was that's cool. They're really good how they build communities there. The classes were like twenty, you know, plus in the classes of kids playing games with each other and stuff is really cool. But yeah, I feel like, um, yeah, the good ones have good communities and have people stick around. It, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's a, I think you're right. The, the good ones know that that's an important aspect these yes. days. It's not yep. just, this is the discipline and the, and the martial art that we're coaching and, you know, yep. do it and, yes. then, and leave whatever, live the life. It's like, no, nah, let's have a bit of fun. Let's get people linked up. I see it sometimes when I turn up at Alliance to train jujitsu and they got the kids class wrapping up. And they're yeah. playing games and shit and everyone's yes, teasing each yeah. other like they all know each other and you're like, okay, there's a community thing here. Yeah. Um, going to an older experience for me that was really pivotal to the whole training piece was calisthenics. 
and when I when I first lived in Bondi, bondage, Bondi, Joey. When I was twenty, what was I when I started living there? Twenty four, I think. Twenty three. I don't know. I lived there for eight years or six years or something. Um, but you lived many lives in that short time. Oh God. <laughs> it was a good period. Um, but the I, I found myself. The, there's the outdoor gym at Bondi, which is famous amongst Sydney siders. <laughs> it's probably I'm fun. pretty sure it's famous worldwide. It probably is. It's a pretty special place, and it's yeah. very photographed. It's, and it's very iconic, Sydney Bondi. Yeah, Opera super House. Bondi. And then for calisthenics people, it's just one of those places on the map, isn't it? Exactly. And it's and 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 I remember you know being kind of feeling inadequate, going, "Oh wow, look at all the." Look at these guys and muscle, you know, like big How wide muscles. his back is. Yeah, jacked and you're like, oh, please, man, like relax. Kind of like that same friction that everyone feels when they see something like that. Mm. Or when, you know, even for us, you walk past a gym, you see, you know, a CrossFit box mm. or something, people at the front lifting, shirts off. You're like, guys, please, chill out. Relax. Like we get it, you're fit. <laughs> um, but, you know, but it's cool. Like it is, it's, it's what we do too, right? Yeah. And you're actually not trying to project that. Um but I, I can't remember what my in was there. But I remember being like really quite inadequate with, with that style. I found pull-ups hard. I could only, you know, do a few pull-ups. Mm. I, you know, seeing muscle-ups and shit, I was like, absolutely no way. Mm. And that was that period where i just come back from traveling overseas where I was not into training at all. I was just boozing and smoking cigarettes and, you Sporting know. Sporting a nose ring and nose ring, buffy hair. Buffy hair, trying to <laughs> surf, trying to meet like-minded people. You know, like just having a good time. And then I got to Bondi. I got back to Sydney, moved to Bondi, found jiu-jitsu. And then at the same time, found this calisthenics thing. I can't remember what my in was. But before I knew it, I was hanging out with this group of guys. Uh, Lionel, you might remember my French yeah, mate. Um, Jamie, Damien, like a really cool group who were just there. And it was like, come down to the bars. Someone's always there. And what's today's <coughs> workout? Hey, let's do this. And, mm. you know, Damo says hey, today we're going to do a pyramid of pull-ups and then we're going to do a pyramid of, okay, it's one pull-up, okay, then two pull-ups, you go, like I go, you go kind of thing. And you're just in this training process and you're doing it. And before I knew it, like that, 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 that approach, that style turned me into a bit of a savage. Mm. Shitloads of pull-ups and I was building muscle and... Rope climbs. Yeah, rope climbs, you know, off the, the cliff at, the, at North Bondi there. But it was really interesting because... Um, I, I wasn't particularly aware of what I was doing. There was no real emphasis on technique at that point. And I think I'm lucky to have always had reasonable mobility because it was just there as a base. Mm. We did pull-ups and push-ups probably every day, which would go against my better advice these days. Mm. You know, like don't train pulling and pushing every single day, but that's basically what's going on there. Mm. You know, mm. maybe some body weight squats or something. But it's just interesting... Um, how the the communal aspect of it and the fact that it was very general training but it really for me built a solid foundation that i still lean on now absolutely um if we look at like one of those main criticisms of of group training it's that it doesn't cater specifically to the individual yeah um the individual goals i guess yeah um and yeah, what was your goal there? Nothing in particular. I was having fun. You were having fun. I was looking in the mirror. I'm getting more jacked here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting like... A, it's You're meeting more people. Meeting more people. Enjoying You know, life. guys like, you coming tomorrow? You know, like, yeah, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Yes. You know, I mean, yep. what, 
yeah, we're in the film industry at the time. So there's, there's up periods and down periods. There felt like there was a lot of down periods at that time. So I just shot the train all the time. Mm. But um, yeah, it was really that kind of like, this is fun and, and I'm getting benefit from it and let's keep going. So I guess you're pointing out the posit- a positive aspect of group training, which is similar to kind of what we're getting to. We do it here. It happens in martial arts as well. It's it's that it's that community that basically keeps you there consistently going. There's kind of like a group purpose or a group momentum and you're on with that. You're somewhat obligated to keeping that momentum together and it makes it easier to continue doing it over time. Yeah. And it's it's our it's our thing, it's our little world. Yeah. You know, it's yep. us. We're here in the 9.30 lift class. This is what we do today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. lift and then we'll go get a coffee afterwards. Or it's like, yeah, we're here We're here at the outdoor gym again and we're doing the pull-ups. Yep. Oh, man, these are tough. Yeah, we kicked my ass last time. Let's go. Like, it's that it's that little world that you create that's yours. Um, you know, against, say, when I worked at Anytime Fitness as a personal trainer, I would watch corporates coming in to the gym you know they come in you know dressed with their corporate gear got their bag got their headphones on right away head down go to the toilets get changed come out headphones stay on they do the same six exercises and then they leave and there's no talk there's no there's no pyramid there's not even a pyramid Uh, maybe a little hill little bump (laughs) you know like yeah it's um (laughs) It's it's like whatever the training you know the training method that they're using that's not important. It's like, but there's just no interaction. There's no in, and I I can't you know it would be, it would be wrong for me to say that that's boring because some people might really like that. Mm. But I think for a lot of folks they look at the gym and thinks think that's what it is, mm. and you're like, no, nah, it doesn't have to be that way. And I I would feel safe to say that most people wouldn't enjoy that that. Uh, solitary approach mm. where you're just in there following your routine and you don't talk to anyone and mm. you know just looking at you so it's just you on the mirror um yeah i guess you know I mean? th- it's also leaving a lot on the table you know if you're a busy corporate and you're yeah you, you just you could achieve much more you know if you if you just broaden your horizons and, and you saw like you know you get more work done probably more efficiently when you're with someone else or in a group Better coaching, better quality, better accountability, plus the interaction portion of it, more relationships, etc. Did you? Do it is any boring, bro. Oh, I'll say it if you, if, you, if you don't want to say it. It's boring. But you know, actually, I um, I was thinking about it. I so Tuesdays and Thursdays I work from home, and I don't I don't always train both of those days because I, I train three days here. I try to do a fourth day, at, you know, by myself, but. Yesterday I trained at home and um, it was a slow session and it was, I was a little bit distracted. We had a couple of things get delivered. My neighbor was cutting the lawn. He wanted to have a chat. Like, all right, this is- I'll have a chat. Oh, fuck it. I don't have time for you today, (laughs) Paul. Uh, No, lovely fella. Um, Thanks for listening to the show, Paul. Uh, It was- you know, and it's cool. It's me in the garage, and mm. I filmed a bit of content at the same time. And you got and a garage there? Yeah, I got a little garage. Yeah, you remember the driveway? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Probably I been didn't a, see in there. Might have been. A, yeah, it would have been closed. There was like a pile of um, bags of soil. Yeah, and maybe some sugarcane mulch. Yep, that's right. I didn't you'll see the door. I walked past. I was like, oh, "Joe's got some work to do." Yeah, <laughs> he's been working. Oh, that's a sick garage actually, because it's like below level. 
rolling onto the driveway. That'd be a sick little gym. It's a really good one. In low? Yeah. No, it's high ceiling. Oh. Yeah. It's way higher than it needs to be. We can't do shit in the roof though because it's asbestos. So it's Oops. like, yeah, so you just don't fuck with it um, for now. No kipping muscle ups there. No, nah, no rope climbs. But I like a bit of that. I do like to have a bit of that training by myself. Mm. There's like a lone wolf kind of aspect to it where you're like, yeah, I'm in here grinding and doing my thing. Mm. But I couldn't do that, you know, four days a week all the time. Like I, I the other days, the majority of my training, I come in here and I train either, pardon me, I train with my Bulletproof guys, this yep. little small group we have in the morning, mm-hmm. which really helps me get through it because there's three other people, four other people turning up, we're doing it together. Mm-hmm. Or I'm jumping in on a Friday afternoon session and you and some of the other coaches are training and we're all doing our own thing, but like alongside each other. Yes, yep. So I, I do, you know, I get that that lone wolf thing. And I think that like social media, like if you follow any kind of like bodybuilding-esque kind of accounts, mm-hmm. it really pushes that where it's like you and your earphones and the mirror and it's like, I'm mm-hmm. in here grinding. I'm getting this work. Yeah. And I think for a lot of, for a lot of young people, they look at that and go, I want that too. Mm. The reality is it's not that much fun for mm. everybody. Some people love it. Mm. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, I'm sure I'm sure you have a bit of that. You go to the park maybe sometimes. Yeah. Doing your handstands and mobility where it's like yes, it's just yep. me and the me and the pavement right now. Yeah, yeah. And um I think we were talking before the show just generally about, you know, this com- topic. I definitely think that it's not one versus the other, like one or the other. I think a mixture of it is is definitely good. Um yeah, I have those sessions where it's on my own. It's not usually cuz I have designed it that way, but you often need to get the work done or you want to move and you're trying to fit it in or, or whatever that is, or you want to go outside. And, um, but I do enjoy it when, it, when it's there for sure. Um, and yeah, it, it's just that when it comes to, and I, I was thinking as you were talking about, about your lone wolf, like the, the, it would probably matter between the types of training as well um, or like how intense a particular session is um, and having that partnership when you're doing you know, high intensity work and you need that motivation um, versus some, you know, less intense something, you know, like even even running. I'd probably like, and, and when I think of running, obviously that's the cardio aspect, endurance. For a lot of people, running is meditative. You know, that's why they like doing it repetitively and they go to the headphones like, that makes sense to me. I've run with people before. Yeah. It's, a bit, it's a bit awkward. You, you you talk for a little bit and then it's just focusing because you're fucking passing that 5K mark. Yeah. That makes sense to run alone. But definitely when it comes to more intense work, I like to do that, yeah, with people Yeah, where, it's a, where it, I can. It's a good observation. That meditative aspect of it is the only place I could ever run was when I lived at Bondi because you could run on the coastal walk mm. and there's just heaps of people to look at. Babes. Take what you want from that, guys. <laughs> There's heaps of not eye much candy. running going it's on. Fucking excellent! You're stopping and no, starting. No, you're constantly on the running because you're like trying to show the babes how well you run. Check this <laughs> form. You know what I mean? But uh, but like but I was never the lone wolf runner. But you do yep. see, yeah, people who love running. It's it can be a very cycling. Yeah, solitary thing. It's me. It's on mm. a bush trail, whatever. And I, yep. I think I think that's cool and it makes sense. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's the the mix. The mix is nice. I think it it, you know, like say what what goes on here at the gym. 
we're always trying to, because we kind of lead with, it's a class thing, come and train in these small groups. Yep. You get a lot of people that want to train in small groups, Mm -hmm. but then we don't want people to be exclusively that. Mm -hmm. So then it's like also trying to educate them to, hey, you should do a little bit of stuff by yourself, even if it's just before or after class for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you come in one or two days a week and do your own thing. When you're on holidays, do what you've learned in class. That's right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's definitely... more beneficial for the for the person who's in their first years of training. If you put it that way. For the beginner, there's way much more to gain having people around when you're training than not. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, I, yeah. I, I feel like it's been kind of uh, – if you look at the success of F45 and these other small kind of franchise operations mm-hmm. that are all based around groups, that – kind of speaks to that doesn't it Mm -hmm. like people are realizing this is a way more fun way to train we are not advocating for f45 just to be extremely fucking clear right now training methodology is whack however the format you're like yeah people come in they do the thing it's there's some glue there there's something that's keeping you in yeah and i guess that's the that's the type of point that um that we're overarching is the uh, and is that we know to get a good result, you have to hang around for a bit in training. Got to stick out, stick it out for a year, two, and you've always said you don't have to work particularly to crazy amounts of training, with crazy loads of intensity. It's just more about being in it and doing it regularly over time. We know that groups tend to keep people in the game for longer, which is why the social aspect is so important. Yeah, that... That's the main criticism, isn't it, of mm. like group training is that it's not customised to what the individual needs. Sorry, yes. Yep. So, and it, you know, to, to your point, well, the flip side is, okay, you give someone an awesome custom program and they follow it for a couple of weeks while they're motivated and then they fall off. That's the point. And it's like, well, if the group program is 20% less effective than the customised program, however, it's you know, the adherence to the group program is like 20% higher or it is 20% lower, whatever. Like it is, they're going to stick to it. It is largely a more successful choice. That's that's the main point, I would say. I would totally agree with that. Yeah. I think about, um, talking about Dylan earlier and the training with Harry Williams and stuff, I think about when I was tra- doing the movement training, doing the online stuff with Edo. Mm. And again, we mention him all the time. For anyone who's not familiar, Ido Portal, uh, he is the fella who coined this whole movement thing, uh, the terminology at least, and, and sort of leads a lot of what, what is being worked on in that, that movement realm. Um, but culture. Uh, culture, that's right. But yeah, online training with him, similar to what you know, was saying that Dylan's going through, it's like many hours of training per day, not a huge amount of support, though you're just dumped with this huge training load. And I look back at that and for ages I was just training by myself. You're just trying to make time to squeeze in these this four hours or whatever of training or five hours of training you have to get done per day, often multiple sessions. And uh, there's something cool about it. It's that lone wolf thing where you're like, man, I'm in here grinding, getting this work. But you kind of end up just separating yourself from everyone because you're so... Like you're so fixated on the training you have to get done that 
you don't make space for like there's very little space for socializing there's very little space for spontaneity there's very little space for like jumping into a class oh what are we doing we're doing some some lifting today yeah go on uh, lifting is good so no it's not in my program <laughs> it, it becomes a very restrictive approach to training and i think that like if i look at what i see online from a lot of the movement community i see a lot of people doing this stuff by themselves and it's like is that really what you got into this for? That's what it makes me think. I think that they're, they're trying to get into groups, but they're spread and they're a minority, I guess. You know, there's not that many people practicing. Um, there's more and more, but they're trying to get into groups. I look at um, Marco and the team and your friends who used to live around and they're trying to stay in classes, but it's not the easiest type of training for people to get into like as in general population, so it doesn't really take that to, to everyone, especially because it looks so different to what people think fitness is, by and large, especially in Sydney. Yeah, I agree. There is an aspect of it where they're trying to, they definitely want to be with groups and there's a lot of movement. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Every opportunity we had to get together, what, yep. you would take it. Totally. And people, you know, and, you'd, and you'd all train and whatever, working on maybe sometimes similar things, often different things. But that whole communal aspect was there. However, it was such a, it was so scarce. Mm-mm. And most of the time you're doing it by yourself. Mm-mm. I don't know, it's just, uh, it's, it's interesting because there's a, you know, one of the claims w- with that style of training is that it's like some kind of, it's almost spoken about as if it's some kind of portal into a higher state of humanity. It's like this is this is you finding your greatest physical expression and mm. this is what being a human is about and whatnot. It's like, yeah, but you're in a fucking gym by yourself for hours a day bouncing a tennis ball against the wall. <laughs> you haven't spoken to anyone. <laughs> and you won't because you've got no rest period scheduled. It's like it's not in the program. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're like, yeah, yeah, there is this. There is something uh, of this human condition that you're developing, but you're also moving away like – like uh, in the exact opposite direction from like social aspect and the cooperative yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, the sharing collaborative thing. Yeah, look, I don't know enough to comment about it, but like I wonder if, because they do do group stuff, is it like how do they see the balance between the two? Because at some point, yeah, it's like the monk going to the mountain to go and sit there for a year or whatever. They go and do that isolated stuff and then I wonder like what the what the conversations are around balancing that between you know, being together as a group and getting that stimulus. Hey, I wanted to uh, talk about um, group training in respect to, like, the energy in a group. Because um, I was thinking about this the other day um, and it, it might what popped into my head was Kashi. And, um, you know, and then I thought of, uh, like, now we're thinking about, I was thinking about dance groups and dancing and music. Um, but Kashi, Kashi, right? Kashi. Yes, he is a Persian yoga practitioner. Yep. I call him that. Um, we had him on the podcast and he's done some workshops in here. Amazing of Persian descent. Awesome podcast, by the way. Go o- back and listen awesome to it. Man, Awesome man. Inspirational guy. kind of charismatic coach and, and guy. Um, but yeah, the way that they train in these groups is 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 curated in such a way that the energy in the room, and this is just my interpretation of it, the energy in the room is part of the training and the groupness and the oneness and the rhythm 
is part of that energy that gets you developing. And I just love that. Um, and it's, it's being in circles and it's someone with a drum or in our case, we don't have the drummer here. We're in a gym in Sydney. It's, it's music. Beats. Beats to the rhythm and people are doing reps to the rhythm or someone's working in the middle while everyone else is doing something else. Um, I just thought that would be cool, like relevant to what we're talking about. Like, because uh, when you're in that type of vibe where it's, it's very much part of it, there's another deep primal thing that comes out in the group and it's, it's almost like a concentrated dose of what we're talking about, the group kind of momentum and the group obligation. It's like more concentrated example of that, which is like, oh, I'm doing this to the beat. I've got to hit the beat. I've got to do my fucking push-up on the shenna. Sh- Everyone's the relying on me. Everyone's relying on me. Everyone's boom, boom. And, and yeah, the way that he runs those sessions is, yeah, it's, well, it's magical. Yeah, you're right. It's such a cool thing to reflect on. I fucking loved those workshops with him. Mm. And yeah, what a fascinating approach that they have that, you know, the I give a little breakdown on how he says it, how he told us about how it works in, in Iran. Mm. But they have these house of strength, they call the Zucha, and, and that's where men will gather and it is a male thing. Right? He's changing that. Yeah, he's changing that. Slowly. Well, maybe, yeah. But, but it's, it's, you know, males come of all ages, boys through to old men. And they gather in a circle in like a kind of like a pit in the middle and the training commences and it has this routine that they follow with a warm up and then different tools, the meals that people see, the big clubs and the shenna, the push up board and all these different implements, but you're doing it together. It's like, okay, now we're doing it. Okay. We do a little like intro prayer down on the knee. All right, boom, let's go. We're on. And it's like, don't drop the ball, man. Everyone's doing this together. That group, that group energy is... You're so right. Like it, it, it is tangible in that setting, and it forces you to work to keep to maintain a standard to at least try your very best mm. because everyone else is there doing it, mm. and there's a there's an obligation there and mm. a, and a, like a really healthy pressure that you know you get a little bit of here in a group class, don't you? Mm. But here it's always fine to sit out and drink some water if you need to. Yeah. You feel it would be slightly less fine to do that in a Persian yoga thing. Totally. Like obviously they're not going to kill anyone, but it's like, no, even the formation of a circle mm. where you can see everybody yes. in your periphery, yep. it means you can't, like you can't well, slack the, off. The intention is way different as well. Like when you're coming into that and you know what that is, like you're going in there, you know that you're going to work out to a level you're going to go there. Whereas obviously the gym in this Western setting, you're going to go, you're going to go in, you did your best to get there after work. You don't even know what the workout that's there potentially that's on. And you, you know, you might work to 60%. Like, yeah. So like going into that setting, you, you know what, what's going. And Hey, so what I, why I mentioned that, and I don't, I haven't listened to all the podcasts with Ido. Um, and why talk, not? Sorry. Why, why not? not? I tried. I love listening to him speak, um, but I was thinking about the movement culture. I just remember him really pushing and saying that um, this stuff can't exist without a culture. Am I wrong there? Uh, and that's why he was push. And and anyway, yeah. what what I was thinking about it was um, like they're tr- he's trying to create a culture, and this was why. I, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's trying to make a culture that has those expectation and obligations. It's in its first year. And then I thought, 
Yeah, because you've got print, uh, types of training like yoga, thousands of years old. And I don't know much about yoga either, potentially tied with um, religious aspects and expectations and standards to uphold and people do it in a religious manner. There's, you know, a There's long lineage. There's it. some ceremony, some reverence to that. And then martial arts has that as well. You know, you know, these days it's kind of changing. But I was thinking, oh, maybe that's what he was trying to do. What he's trying to do is start something that becomes, and, you know, we're really in its first years. Let's see kind of where movement goes, you know, in the next kind of 5, 10, 15 years. But maybe that's what he's trying to build more of. Edo? Yeah. In that. Yeah. Or I at least start the seed for it. I mean, he can't control it for, for years to come. But some sort of reverence around it and some patterns and expectations of it. Yeah, I believe he's he's What's trying to do something towards that. Mm. However, you know, and I've spoken about this before, I, I do think he's also done things, kept things a certain way intentionally so that he can control the culture. Sure. Which, which means you are not interested in unleashing it to its fullest capacity. Because if I really wanted to do that, I would empower you with my knowledge and then I would tell you, you can go and teach this to other people. Go and teach movement. Whereas he's very much, that, you know, he's known for not having that. If you take his material and you coach it in a group and you coach it in a group setting, they like the, it's, you're often told to stop coaching that or remove it from your social media. It's kind of a very top-down power structure. So then that's the culture that he's setting, which is homage to where it came from or, or don't do it. Yeah, well, the money flows back to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, sure. I don't you know, and I, I love the guy and I, I'm actually trying to get him on the podcast. And I Incredible. would love, yeah, and I would love to have, you know, but I, I do think that partly it's, you know, I think his claim is that there's a lot of, um, it's about keeping, you know, the sort, like keeping... <clears throat> Credit where credit is due, the creator's getting the, you know. But then he gets all that stuff from elsewhere. Like everything comes from elsewhere. All of this information regarding physical development, it, it, it all goes back infinitely to mm. somebody else. Mm. So it's just information. It's just stuff that, that you can choose to share or not. Um, yeah, I think if he was trying to start a wildfire with this culture of his, he could, they, he could go about it in, a lot, in, a more in an easier way. Mm. Um, but whatever, like it's, it is a culture and it is his culture. And in a sense that maintains a standard, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and fuck, I mean, we're not, and I say where you, you run the gym here now, you and Dylan are at the helm of this thing. You guys, you guys dictate what goes on in here largely. Mm -hmm. If you know, we don't have animal flow classes. It's not our vibe. We don't have CrossFit. It's not good enough. Mm. you know we dictate what happens in here in the same way so you 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 as a leader are able to curate what it is that your community yeah, engages totally. in mm. um yeah i think yeah i think about that a lot get out if you don't like it well yeah there's, yeah <laughs> there's an f45 up the road you might love it <laughs> go check it out bro workouts are in 45 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and they're functional um but yeah, it is a very, it is a, a very interesting thing. You know, jujitsu is very organic in that way, and there's very little restrictions placed on it. You know, you can just go and open a jujitsu gym and start teaching people techniques, build your own culture, mm. and the community has a way of regulating 
you know, there's a reputation attached to what belt rank people have and are they any good? Who, who did they come up through? And, mm. oh, yeah, what's that gym like? Are they doing good stuff? Mm. All of the warm-ups suck, but, you know, the gyms are cool. But, um, <laughs> yeah, there's – um. That to me seems like a, almost like a, like a, a, a community or a culture where uh, practitioners have been almost given the permission to go and start this wildfire. Oh, jujitsu. Yeah, yep. Yep. you know, which is where now why you see it as one of Spread the it. most preeminent martial arts across the globe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas I don't know any movement gyms. There's a handful. You know, we know them all. We could count them all on two hands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a fascinating thing to think about. Yeah. I guess relevant to us with the Alliance too, right? We want to empower people to go and, you know, take our information and go and put that in their hands so that they can Add carve stuff their own it. path mm-hmm. and build an amazing gym and then, yeah, start to incorporate new things and contribute that back to the Alliance and there can be this evolution of the methodology. Mm-hmm. But there has to be standards within that and we have to we have to make sure that there's no, you know, that bullshit is squashed. Because when you when you give something the ability to flourish in that way, there are going to be mistakes and deviations from the standard and yes, you know, from the ideals and the principles. Yeah, that's going to be interesting when it unfolds. You know, this conversation will be very relevant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think. Look, uh, you know, going back to our kind of our opening point, like the the group versus the solo thing. I do feel like groups are the back, like training in a group is the backbone of any successful training process, you know? Yeah, yeah. Even for the movement culture people who are trained by themselves, they have to log in, they have to communicate with their coach online, they catch up with other movement people, you know, there's a group aspect to it, even though it's not the daily thing. And then eventually there's traits of their training that you have to develop with people. Well, that, right. You, that's right. Like you need yeah. someone to spot you or... Yeah. Yeah. Or even some of the, the play aspects that, you know... Absolutely. Can't be can't be replicated any other way. You play yourself in the mirror. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> I've, I've seen all sorts of things on Instagram. Tried playing with myself in the mirror. <laughs> it's not that easy. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's the, I, I, the, the group thing is like the... I think it's so important and I think that for anyone that, you know, it is setting out as someone that does want to create their own training space, build their own gym or have a group at the park or whatever it is, do that group thing but then understand that that is the, the foundation but then on top of that people, should, you should also be empowering people to do some stuff by themselves mm-hmm. because that shows responsibility mm. and it shows that that person has the, what is it? They have the confidence and the kind of the the discipline to go and do some stuff by themselves that they need to do because it can't you can't always rely on this uh, extrinsic motivation which is the people in your class or the coach telling you to get down and give me twenty push ups whatever. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And um, usually, if you're in your first years of training, if you're just coming into training or getting back to training, or you're very busy and you yeah you you train only a little bit in the week, then being in the group, you're going to have much more success with that. The longer that you train and the lifestyle changes, the more you, you know, you're going to be able to train on your own later. Yeah, there's an interesting transition there. I think about um, a guy like Julian who trains here. Yep. And shouts. Vega. Shouts. Vega. Carpenter, right? 
Yep. He's a good man. But he's obviously spent a lot of time training in a, in a commercial gym. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, when he came to this gym, he's got that body. You know, yep. he's got yep. like big pecs. You know, he's done a lot of bodybuilding type jacked. stuff. And he's jacked. Gorgeous human. Um, but he transitioned to training here where it's classes and group. And it's always interesting to observe that because you can spot that person a mile away. Oh, they haven't, you know, they, they've done the solo bodybuilding thing and now they're here. And it's a, you know it's such a different environment for them. But I would, I, and this is me assuming because I don't know him personally that well, but I'm guessing he came from solo thing where he was a younger man, had less responsibilities on his plate, didn't have the kids yet, didn't have the business yet, was maybe working for someone else, plenty of time to train. Cut to now, he runs his own business, seems to be very busy. He's got young kids, wife, you know, competing obligations. So training time has been cut down drastically. Mm. So he's made a decision, okay, I can't engage in that style of training anymore. What's the solution? Ah, this gym looks cool. I can go and do the groups. Awesome. And you see him in here on a Friday, he still pumps out some bodybuilding stuff and, you know, like ticks those boxes by Mm. himself. Mm. I think that's fucking marvelous Mm. because that transition is really awkward for most people and it's it usually stops people from training yeah totally every you know there's so many 20 year old guys in the gym getting buff and then they get a job and they get a family and all that shit in their 30s and they go oh, i can't train anymore mm. they're trying they're only seeing it from that limited perspective of re-engaging with their old training process not evolving versus yeah what what can i do now that i'm a different person to solve that problem yeah what's what's the solution mm. yeah, yeah I, th- I think that's really cool yeah really good point i think in his case it was also a um an evolution of um bored with that type of training and looking for something else but yeah it's probably definitely a part of that as well but yeah um that, that makes me think um of also with group training are uh, the apprehensions of, that people have because they're shy or then they're intimidated by group training um so that is a big wall for a lot of people i think getting into a group and that's what keeps them solo um not saying in julian's particular case um but for lots of people starting the journey out it's like oh i hear what they're saying on the podcast go do group i'm going to get better at it but i'm also at the beginning so i'm really nervous about it so it's it's tough you got to find the right place um Obviously, I'm biased, but we have, you know, we do our, our best to onboard people, keep it inclusive from the get-go and empower them with the knowledge and say our foundation program that gives them the confidence to, to go out. And a lot of that during that onboarding process, you're having conversations and, you know, if I'm doing a foundation program and I can see their training age because there's a, there's a deep questionnaire in there about training history, etc., then I'm having that conversation with them where to start, you know, how to get going, you know, maybe, you know, they're like a lot of people like to stick to the quieter classes yep. until they build their confidence and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's tough for some people going into groups, just about finding the right one. Yeah, you, you mm. would make the point that, like for someone that is a bit apprehensive about that, mm. tell, the, tell the, the, the gym owner or the coach that you're talking to, say, hey, I feel a bit nervous about this and if they're any good – they will have a solution for your apprehension. Totally. As in, I totally understand. We deal with this quite often. We have this intro program or we have one-to-one that we can, you know, like. Exactly. That's perfectly designed to step you through so that by the time you get to classes, you feel confident. 
Totally. And if the gym kind of doesn't have that and they don't really know how to address your concern, then that's a mad red flag. Get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Because it, yeah, it's absolutely a big thing, isn't it? For mm. people who aren't so whatever. Maybe they're in, not confident about where they're at personally. Maybe they don't like big groups. Maybe they're not particularly social. Whatever it is. You know? Maybe they're just scared that they're going to underperform. Maybe they've got training All of experience. those things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all of those things. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a great point. Um, I mean, we kind of take it for granted because we've always done that here. We've had, we have this intro process. T's always done it. At, at, you know, he obviously does it now at his gym. Um, but there's a lot of gyms out there, I think, that still don't do it. I don't know if you go to F45 if they have an introductory program. I think it's like jump into a class. Do they have PT there? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't really know. But Hey, this week... Um, there'd be shit ones if they did. Probably. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, a new guy came in this week. His name is Tomas. Real nice guy. Tomas. Um, Polish guy. I'm doing his foundation. He's got one more left. He's a champion. But it's, it's actually that story like Julian's, but even more to the point. This guy came in. He's jacked and, he, you know, he's been training solo for the longest time. Can do, you know, he hasn't been training lately, but he could do 60-second handstand. He's got muscle-ups. Um, haven't seen his levers and stuff. He's across the movement stuff. Turns out that him and I were both at Wollongong at Edo's corset. Oh, wow. Years ago. Okay. He met Rod Cooper there. He's yep. been going to Rod's. He's gone up a couple of times over the years. Got some programming off him just for workshops and stuff, but largely just training alone. And damn, he's, you know, he's disciplined, trains on his own. He's gone a long way, you know. Um, really humble guy though. And, you know, you see that person from the outside and you're like, you know, what are we going to do for him? Or what, is, what does he actually want from here? But he's exactly that guy where he's evolved and – it's been logistical why he hasn't joined Rod's gym full-time because he wasn't neither. It's in Newcastle or any around here because he was living in a different area of Sydney. Right. But as soon as he moved to the area, he's he searched us out and wants to be here because he needs a tribe. Yeah, he really – he sees the value in it. He sees that his, his progress can only go so far. Wow. And he's also got a busy job. Um, so, yeah, he wants to be here and see other people – he wants to be motivated and ideas because you see other people training. It was all of that. Ah, uh, that's cool. Really cool, eh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like that really speaks to the point, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, uh, he was frothing at just talking about the different approaches yep. to the same goal that he's got, which is handstands. It's like, you know, this is how we've, we're doing this way. We're kind of doing this way. And, it, you know, it's fascinating for him because he didn't have another source. I mean, obviously online there's a big source, but you know, a source and, you know, he wanted a place, like a physical place to come to, you know, because training at home, you know, he just had his set up and stuff. It's just really cool to have how him old, How old is he? I think he's our age, 38. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. Wow, he's been grinding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, cool. Um, really cool guy. So he's, he'll be an asset and you'll fucking, he'll be training in our bodyweight program next to everyone doing some wicked stuff for sure. But, you know, he's got stuff to work on too. And he'll be doing it right next to some, you know, real beginners. And he's got a real white belt mentality to, to everything. And he's, yeah, it's a cool addition. I think that's a beautiful place for us to wrap it on. Tomas. Great closing point, Tomas. Looking forward to meeting you, brother. <laughs> yeah, bae. Um, I suppose for any, you know, if you're listening, you want training help, come to us. You can go junglebrothers.com. That'll put you in touch with the gym here in Botany. 
If you're up in uh, northern part of New South Wales, Tease Gym in Ballina, jungleballina.com. Mm-hmm. And you can also find us all on Instagram uh, at Jungle Brothers Movement, which is again here in Botany, uh, at Jungle Ballina. Or if you want to know what's happening with the Alliance, which is this thing that we're carving out to help aspiring uh, gym owners and coaches, you can follow at Jungle Alliance. Um, we have our coaches intensive coming up this weekend, uh, which is where we take existing gym owners and and PTs and people who want to become a PT or a coach within the fitness industry and we teach them all of the essential skill sets that we have developed and that we believe are important to becoming a remarkable coach and building an exceptional business within the fitness industry. We see that as starting with becoming an amazing coach, building your PT business, being successful with that. That gives you the foundation to then go and maybe one day open your gym if that's what you want to do. Um, you know, or start a group thing in the park, whatever it is. But we do it, we instill the values of the Jungle Alliance through that course. And for people that are interested in becoming part of the Alliance, that course is the gatekeeper to it. So you are eligible upon completion of it. If you want to know more about that, just get in touch with me at the Jungle Alliance or you can come to any of our gyms and we'll tell you all about it. Um, thank you for listening. Paulo, good to catch up with you, bro. You too, bro. Loved it. Thank you, guys. We'll catch you next week. Peace. Peace.